0: Welcome back quick brain. So we know that flow is a state of optimal human performance. I mean, who doesn't want to feel their best and do their best? Some people call it the zone. But here's the question. Can you live in flow 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What technology helps to train flow? How do you use breath and music to hack flow? These are just some of the questions we asked New York Times bestselling author Stephen Kotler in this must-requested follow-up to our recent two episodes that we did with him about leveraging flow for greater focus and creativity. Now, if you haven't yet listened to the previous shows with Stephen, I highly recommend you do that first. His latest book called Stealing Fire is a must-read on elite mental and physical performance. Now, in this episode, speaking of fire, we ask him your burning questions, including how he cultivates flow in the first six hours of his day and his top three actionable ideas. Based on that, well, there's a one question in the um, in our private Facebook group that asked if you could live in a flow state. And I guess after you're going through those those four stages, I would imagine that would be very difficult. Because like it's once energy a month, I always
1: say that, that I say this a lot. But once a month or so, somebody will come up to me and they're like, "Oh my God, Stephen, you should study me. I'm I mean, always in a flow state." And you know, it, I mean, it literally, it's been happening for years and years and years. And I I used to not know, you know, I used to not tell the truth because I didn't, finally I just gave up and I'm like, I've always, from that point on, I'm like, you know, there's a word for that. We call that schizophrenia, right? Or mania, right? So no, because you have, what you can do over time as you train this up is and you will certainly plateau. It's going to happen to the everybody. Like the best flow hackers in the world will find plateaus. But most of the time, what you can do is shorten the amount of time between flow states. You can compress the, that over time. So as you get better at it, you move through the cycle more cleanly. I'll give you another example where people often go crazy wrong, is the flow high feels so good, right? It's so not my ordinary life. It's so wonderful that they people hang on to it for you they want to stay in that state for a really long time and so they'll get into like thought spirals where they're following that thought out and that thought leads to an and that thought needs to an accent, right and it's delicious when you're in it but what you're doing is at the tail end of that is you're just exhausting dopamine supplies in the brain and it's much harder to rebound so i learned it from gabriel garcia marquez josh Waitzkin learned it from hemingway but you know most of the great writers say one of the best ways to fight writer's block is to quit when you're most excited, right? Hemingway used to stop writing in the middle of a sentence. like often in the middle of a word. Um, And the reason is, by the time you've noticed you're most excited, right? You're probably deep into a flow state. By that point, you're most excited. If you're most excited, that means there's a lot of dopamine and norepinephrine in your system. Well, dopamine and norepinephrine at peak concentrations only last 20 minutes why are ted talks 20 minutes long because dopamine and norepinephrine are excited principal focusing drugs they only last for 20 minutes the flip side of this is why do you get exhausted watching a james bond movie like the first 20 minutes is fun as hell and then you're really tired it's because they've taken so much with the explosions right that's it's give me your dopamine, give you your norepinephrine and it's got a 20 minute shelf life, right? That's like, that's the difficulty with it. So by the time you notice I'm most excited in this writing project, you're already flooded with norepinephrine and dopamine and like you're only, it's only going to last for probably another five to 10 minutes. So you're not actually giving up that much and what you're doing is you're set, Coming back when you come back the next time, Mm -hmm. you're fired up. You were excited about what you were writing. You you quit while you were in high performance mode, so you don't have the bitter end. Like you also don't have the memory of failure, Mm -hmm. because right you quit while you were at your peak, and right so it makes the next day easier. It's all about stacking motivations, Mm -hmm. right? Because motivation is so hard. It's the game we play with ourselves all the time. So the easiest way to hack motivation is to stack motivations on top of each other.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. You're talking about building up energy reserves, and you can do it through your food and your sleep mm-hmm. um, so that you have more energy to be able to access those flow states. What about um, technology? Are there any uh, any tech that allows you or supports us to be able to hack our flow states or get hey, into access flow states?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's tons of it. right? We just came from a... Nicole Bradford is here and gave just a great, fantastic talk on kind of the explosion in transformative tech, right? Trans tech. And the tech is getting very sophisticated, you know, the brain hacking stuff all across the board. And for some people, it's amazing. I personally, <laughs> I want to be able to do this stuff whenever, whenever mm-hmm. wherever. Right? It's for me, whenever fear gets introduced into the system, you revert to your training, right? You sort of drop one level down. It's why, you know, the military emphasizes, the Navy SEALs really emphasize this, you know, fight how you train, train how you fight, right? So that gap doesn't exist. Like, there's great technology out there for focus, right? I mean, whether you're talking about, you know, heart mass stuff is working really really well there's a bunch of different headsets the muse headset is the better stuff layering in all the time um and it's really it's an exciting exploding field and sometimes i i absolutely use it but i don't i don't try not to depend on it because i don't want to be tech dependent i want to be able you know to really focus you know that intensely whenever wherever so i play with respiration more because mm. it's portable yeah because you you carry everything along with you. Right. What, about, what about music? Usually important for me. In fact, so I think it's Small Furry Prayer for the very first footnote. This is the playlist that I listened to during this book and thanked all the artists. I tend to make one to two playlists per book and I just, because it's the somatic address of the book, right? So like how does the, okay. what is the way the book should make people feel, make me feel, right? And so I find the music that mimics how I want the book to make me feel and then I listen to it over and over and over. While you're writing. While I'm writing. Same thing over and over the same, you know, 12 to 15 songs while I'm writing. I was listening to a lot of Sun Kill Moon when I was writing Stealing Fire, I think. And a lot of Radiohead.
0: Gets the job done. Bye. What about... um I know a little bit about your lifestyle, but in terms of morning routines, people are always talking about their morning routines to be productive and mm-hmm. such. Are there certain things that do you keep it basic as being yeah, straightforward for you? Like I, cult, what are you cultivating each day in terms of your habits or gratitude, so, meditation,
1: or I'll, journaling? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, walk, I'll walk you through the first Oops. six hours of my day, right? And if, 95% of my days start this way, and this is what works best for me. I like, so when you wake up from sleep, right? Your, your brain's still an alpha, which is where I want to be for writing. My goal is to get from my bed to my desk fast enough that my brain is still an alpha. So I literally like that's what I do. But I'm at my desk writing. Usually the coffee's brewing within two minutes of I'm awake and I'm writing by think, three or four minutes. Like this. so it's immediate. I I finish writing and after my four hour session, I take my dogs for an hour long hike. Because that's the release mm-hmm. phase, right? I want to refresh the system, ex- little exercise-induced and hypofrontality, turn off my brain a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't want to spend too much energy because I've still got a lot of day. Uh, you know, I'll put my workout towards the end of the day, but then I will come back from that, and that's and then it's breakfast. I find that the hardest, most difficult moment of the day is transitioning from breakfast back into work so I usually go from breakfast into like a five-minute box breathing mm. kind of thing and then I get back to it so that's how I start it pretty much every day
0: okay any anything that you besides coffee you adjust no. up no so Just you
1: really you wake dark, up strong <laughs> massive quantities of Puerto Rican espresso. so you
0: These pretty things. much wake up and then within a couple minutes you're, you're um, at yeah. your yeah I'm right there
1: coffee. oh and the one thing I left out and you brought it up I'm sorry when i finish my writing session and before i hike the dogs i always do a gratitude list what does that right look like then. Uh, for me you know the the research on positive psychology they like to do three things that you should be grateful and then you take pick one of them and write about a paragraph about it and explain it and why that's they found that's the very effective gratitude intervention i like to i like to list 10 things i'm grateful for and the reason the reason the gratitude practice works when you focus, again, the brain ta- his brain is always looking mm-hmm. for negative stuff, right? So if you focus on the positive, it makes you feel safe and secure. If you, th- I am grateful for X in my life, right, that's something in the win column. What does it do? It lowers cortisol levels. It lowers anxiety levels. Why does that matter? Well, if you do something creative for a living like I do, I want to lower those levels because I know too much anxiety is going to limit my creativity, mm-hmm. right? It's going to limit the pattern recognition is going to screw up my day so it's writing gratitude list hike which again resets lowers anxiety again and then you know feed the system
0: that's amazing so uh, as we end here what are are three things you recommend for somebody listening to be able to to train their focus or to access those flow states more regularly when they need to be a high performer
1: the one is really simple one is you're going to need 90 to 120 minutes of uninterrupted concentration and for most people you need to have the conversations. If it's you're looking for it at work, you gotta to talk to your boss, talk to your coworkers, say, look, this is the high performance science. This is, you know, what I need to be at my best. Know that I'm doing this. Know if I've got a sign on my door, like I'm doing this for the company, for the organization. You know, mm. that sort of thing. If you're going to steal that time out of your marriage, or your relationships, have the conversations ahead of time because the guilt, all that's emotionally taxing. It's stealing energy, right? You're robbing calories from your brain that you'd actually rather mm. deploy for focus. So have your conversations. I think high performance work requires a lot of conversations, a little more transparency than we're used to. You have to tell people around you what you're doing. Second thing is is you should be training your focus on a a daily basis. You should be trying to like, okay, now I can drill down for nine minutes. Tomorrow it's going to be 10 minutes the day after, you know, and you go up really, really slowly. And the goal isn't to get there overnight. The goal is to say, okay, this is going to be a five-year process. The long time horizons for change are really helpful, Mm -hmm. right? The flip side is that we we're talking about stacking motivation, stacking focus, train risk, train, train risk. yourself to take little risks every day. If you're shy, go talk to strangers every day, you know, strike up conversations or do something every day that just scares you a little bit because so much of success, whether you're talking about, you know, creative success or financials or whatever it is, you're going to have to learn. You're going to. Train the lean in muscles, the risk-taking mm-hmm. muscles. And I, I always say that the best among us always seem to have cultivated what I call the habit of ferocity. Like when faced with any situation, they automatically lean and they automatically dive in. And it's, an, it's they've taught themselves to do it. So they don't they don't even have time to get nervous about it because they're mm-hmm. diving in. It's an automatic response. That would be my third thing.
0: And that's interesting because you're nurturing uh, safety and rest and, and replenishing yourself. And then you're also training yourself to lean in to uh, to risk and, and stretch yourself at the same time. So you're like stretching, stabilizing.
1: Well, I've got... So I've got a, a big sign about my desk that says do the hard thing. Yeah, And I when I first wrote it actually it was it was. For, I mean it was for a lot of things but it was literally I was first working on that transition exercise so do the hard thing often meant instead of just doing one item on my to-do list hold the focus long enough and go directly into the second item mm-hmm. that was where it came from but I've, I've kept it around as inspiration to remind myself I to that. always lean in
0: I love that I highly recommend everybody gets a copy of Stealing Fire and also a copy of uh, Rise of Superman. What's the best way for people to who want to go dive in more to connect with you or find yeah, out more about so, your
1: work? Yeah, uh, so even stephencotler.com, mm-hmm. Kotler, Stephen or the Kotler's K-O-T-L-E-R, um, or theflowgenomeproject.com. Absolutely. And if you actually want to talk to me, Twitter is actually, I, I tend to yeah. respond on Twitter. I don't tend to respond on any other whatever, but you can actually find me on Twitter sometimes.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> Stephen Kotler, thank you so much for joining us for the Quick Brain Show, and uh, we'll catch you in flow. Thanks, Jim. Fun to be with you. I hope you enjoyed our question and answer with Stephen. His Twitter is at Stephen underscore Kotler. That's K-O-T-L-E-R. And if you like this episode and want to go really deep in focus and flow, I want to invite you to join our quick focus blueprint program in just 10 minutes a day for 30 days straight. I take you by the hand and walk you through exactly how I get into my focus zone to do Everything from learning faster to turning my to-do list into my to-done list. I mean, it really is how to get things done. Just go to quickbrain.com forward slash focus, and you will get a very special rate for our Quick Brain listeners. That's quickbrain, K-W-I-K, brain.com forward slash focus. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you wanna go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I wanna invite you to join our quick success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before